Now, the, uh, the, the comparative value that I'm talking about here is your holiness is comparable or comparable to His holiness. As He which hath called you is holy, so be you. So you are to be in all manner of conversation. And then Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14, it says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. But we're living in a generation, I have a whole lesson on holiness, but we're living in a generation that doesn't believe it anymore. Just throw holiness out the window. There's no need to do it. Let, let's, let's talk about the new breed. Let's, let, let's get into uh, areas of, oh, let's talk about civil rights. Let's talk about uh, gay rights. Let's talk about homophobia. Let's, let's talk about the hot topics of our day. I'm going to teach to you the next several weeks why that's so important to you. Psalms 101, and this is where I'm going to take my text, and I've got about 50 or 60 pages in this Bible lesson, so it'll be about five weeks. And I'm going to teach the next five weeks on why you can't watch television. I'm not just going to teach a cursory lesson. Today. We're going to get into the nuts and bolts of this thing. Psalms chapter 101 Verses 2 and 3 says, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. There is a spiritual law, the Holy Ghost, the Word of God, and the true church. We're talking about the apostolic church, the one God church, will only work if you really want to be saved and you really want to go to heaven. There is absolutely nothing we can do for you if you don't want to be saved and you don't want to go to heaven. Let me say it this way, go to hell. Anybody ever read The Wizard of Id? Just this last week, the Padre's walking a guy to the gallows. And he looks at him, he says, My son, do you believe in heaven or hell? And the boy says, No. And the next picture shows him holding a piece of cloth up. And he said, What's this? He said, Fire retardant underwear. In other words, you're going to need fireproof material where you're going. Now, understand this. I really don't care what you think. I really don't care what you believe. I only care what the Word of God has to say. And if you don't relate to or come in line with the Word of God, then you're going to need some fire-retarded underwear where you're going. Because I'm going to ask you today, my son, do you believe in heaven and hell? You see, most people believe in heaven and most people don't believe in hell. And you can't believe in the one without the other one. So you're, you're, there's a fallacy in the way you go about believing. You're, you're selective in your processes. And so if you're going to be saved and you're going to go to heaven, you've got to desire to do that. And only and only then can the church and the ministry of God help you. And you have to allow things to work in your life. 
Ephesians lets us know that salvation is not by the good things that you do. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, not of anything you can do, lest uh, any man should boast. We're not saved by good works, but we are saved to good works. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, For we are His workmanship. Do you understand that what you are today, you are representing yourself as the workmanship of Christ? And I'll be very honest with you, some of the people, let me, let's broaden it out because I could say some of you, which would be a true statement, but some of the people that go to the churches of truth are a total embarrassment to me. A full-blown embarrassment to my ministry because you are not what I preach. You don't believe it. You don't live it. You're a hypocrite. I told somebody just recently, if you don't believe what I preach, then don't participate in anything I have going. You don't believe what I preach, don't you step on my platform. Matter of fact, if you don't believe what I preach, don't you even come up on my platform and ask me. Call me off the platform. I don't want any of that garbage on my platform. And so, we are His workmanship created in Jesus Christ unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. What is He saying that He has ordained that we do? Walk in His good works. Now, it is incumbent upon us to determine then what His good works really are. Jesus taught this in Mark chapter 8 and verse 34. Whosoever will come after me, there's something that an individual that follows Christ has to do. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. We're in a generation of people that they don't know how to deny themselves. We've, got, we've raised young people that that they know that they can have an instant meal by driving through McDonald's or driving through Jack in the Box or going down to Carl's Jr. It's instant pleasure. I want it now. I want it now. I want it now. And if you don't give it to them now, they throw tantrums. Nobody gets a good marriage now. How do you get a good marriage? You get a good marriage by working it, by putting it together, by having some pretty good fights and surviving the good fights. And uh, having pretty good fights and losing them. You can't win everyone or you get cocky. And so what we're talking about is whoever's going to come after Christ has to deny himself. That means there's some things that you're going to want to do that you have to say no to what you want. Now I'm going to tell you something. I've been preaching two messages everywhere I go. One is limited by my own imagination. The other one that I have been preaching is just simply the flesh. Now, I want to talk for just a moment this morning to you because the avenue that I'm dealing with is not people who are demon-possessed. And, and it's amazing. You know, I've been asked the question, Brother Rushing, can I have a devil? Well, you can't be demon-possessed, but you can have a devil and, not, and have the Holy Ghost too. Hello? You can't be demon-possessed because a demon dwells 
in the very place that Christ dwells. There's only one place. He dwells in the Spirit. The Apostle Paul made this statement. I find then in my flesh no good thing. After two decades of ministering, after having done all the powerful things that Paul did, he made a very provocative statement, and that is this. In this flesh there's nothing good. That means the Holy Ghost doesn't dwell in your flesh. It dwells in your spirit. Now, if the Holy Ghost doesn't dwell in your flesh, and Paul said there's nothing good in this flesh, this is where the problem is. Your flesh is what you have control over. And if you come to God, Paul said, I crucify myself or the flesh, I put it under daily. I bring myself under daily. What are you saying? I have to tell my flesh no every day. My flesh wants to do things. My flesh wants to go places. Because I have the Holy Ghost doesn't make my flesh stop from wanting those things. You look around this building today and you, you see absolutely nothing that's going to be in heaven. You look around, nothing. What the faces and the bodies that you see will not walk on streets of gold. You're going to be transformed. You're going to be changed. God is going to give you a new body because this body you have has got corruption in it. And even when you get the Holy Ghost, it still has corruption in it. That's why people can go to church and then talk in tongues and walk out and act like a devil. Because their flesh acts up. And when you allow yourself, after coming to God, and you allow your flesh to be pampered, you give the devil access to you through that gate that you've opened in your flesh. And from then on, he has access. And there's only one way out. And that's for you to confess publicly, I have a problem. And you confess what the problem is. And you forsake that problem. I told you about preaching in Brother Etheridge's church and a woman there, she had a problem. And she walked up to him and she says, Brother, Brother Rushing preached tonight. She said, he said, she said, Brother Etheridge, I guess I need to tell you, I, you know, I have a problem. And she started naming everything he'd been preaching to her ever since he's been there. It just took somebody else to come along and open the door a little different way, differently. She was separated from her husband. She was going her own way. You know, she was ugly. You know, these women that get a man that will take care of them are stupid for throwing a man out because some of you have a hard time finding another one. I mean, reality check, go look in the mirror. What are you bringing that is so wonderful? And uh, Brother Etheridge was telling me yesterday, he said, Brother Rushing, they're back together. He said, but it was, some, it was time to talk turkey. He says, I don't mean to offend you, but he says, you know what? You're not a good-looking woman. And you've got three kids that don't belong to this man. He said, who wants an ugly woman with three kids? You know, reality check. What's real? Oh, everybody has a fantasy check. They fantasize Ken and Barbie. I don't know about you, but I looked at that Barbie doll, and they don't make women that way. And they don't make kin that way. It's a fantasy world. And so if you're going to follow after Christ, there must be some denial. The, this Bible study, I'm giving it to you in hope that those of you that have a real desire to live for God and go to heaven will understand 
that you are really in a battle for your souls. This is not a popular lesson I'm teaching today. 98% of the homes in America right now have television sets in them. It's not popular to tell people the thing that they love to do more than anything else. They can't do it anymore. The Bible says that we must deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Him. The problems that I see in a lot of your walks is there's absolutely no cross in them. It doesn't say take up Christ's cross. You have a cross to bear, and your cross is not the same as my cross. We all have our own cross that we have to bear, and so you must deny yourself. Galatians chapter 2 Verse 20 says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 31, I protest by your rejoicing which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, and he finished it with three words, I die daily. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 5 and verse 8 says this, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemns sin in the flesh." that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. You say, Brother Rushing, I can't help myself. I just want to do these things. It's because you're fleshly and this law of the Spirit is not working in you. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. All you do is you take a look at what somebody's doing. Preachers are fruit inspectors. We inspect the fruit that is growing in your life and we can tell you exactly where you are. Verse 8, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans chapter 8 and verses 6 and 7 talks about the mind. This is a mind trip. Oh, Brother Rush, I'll do my thing. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind now, I like that word carnal. I like to transpose it over into the Spanish word carne. Brother Jorge, what does carne mean? Meat. Meat. I'll help you. I know he, he has the same trouble transposing some of those into words that I do. I like it. Carnal, carne, meat. If you're going to be me, carnal-minded, you're a meathead. That's my own interpretation, but I've pastored long enough to know that if you're going to be a carnal, you're a meathead. But to be, to be carnal-minded is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. You cannot take a carnal person and subject them or make them submit to the law of God. They will not be and neither can they be. The biggest job that a preacher has is dealing with carnality. Man, I'm telling you, if everybody's praying the way they're supposed to pray and everybody's living for God the way they're supposed to be living for God, we've got some easy days ahead of us as the ministry. We're then able to do what we were sent here to do. Pray and fast and seek the mind of God. It's no fun. 
listen to me, spending hours talking to people who should spend as much time praying as they do seeking counsel. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Understand the concept of the infusion or the infilling of the Holy Ghost. You are the temple of God. He dwells in you. He indwells you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 through 20. I lost this program. I'm going to copy it back down to my computer. I'll give you the whole thing. I got a lot on television here. And I haven't spoken about it yet, have I? We're talking about a mindset, a spiritual reality, a place that you are in Christ. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you said, God, I'll do anything. Some of you are liars. You're thieves and you're robbers because you brought a gift and put it on the altar... And you've come back and stolen off the altar and said, I didn't mean to leave that there. We're robbing things back that we gave to God. Hear me. I'm talking about the fact that God indwells us, which is the greatest miracle that mankind could ever conceive of. How is it that the great, eternal, pure, and just God would indwell carnal flesh? Romans Chapter 12 and verse 1 says that you present your bodies. Lay it out and kill it. That's not what it says. That you present your bodies, what? A living. You're a living sacrifice. That means that every day as I'm living, there are things that I sacrifice and I don't do. I've made myself a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's only reasonable that your wife do the dishes after, uh, or your husband goes to work, isn't it? That's reasonable service. I don't think that uh, Sister Rebecca gets, comes in, when, when Brother Bill comes in in the afternoon after working, she gets down and, oh, thank you. Thank you for working today. Oh, I'm so glad. Now, I imagine there's some wives that would probably do that. Their husbands would go to work. You know, nobody owes you a pat on the back because you're working. That's just reasonable. I shouldn't have to say, oh, those biscuits and gravy. You ever made? Never mind. Those biscuits and gravy. Oh, oh, those are just the finest among the finest. That's just reasonable service. A clean house for a wife is reasonable service. A wage coming in every week from a husband is reasonable service. People making their own beds after they get up in the morning is reasonable service. Matter of fact, I think once they become teenagers, you parents ought to make them do their own laundry. That's just reasonable service. It says to train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. It has absolutely nothing to do with spiritual application. People say, I don't understand. I trained my daughter. I trained my son, and they left the faith. It's not talking about the faith. It's talking about training them up in the things that they should do. Train them up in how to work. Train them up in how to live. They've got to make their decision on spirituality. But if you train them to work and you... Well, never mind. I don't want to get off on that. 
There are certain things in our Christian walk. Ephesians chapter 4 says, We are to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Ephesians 4 and 1. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8, You are to walk as children of light. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2, You are to walk in love. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15, You are to walk circumspectly. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 25 says, If we live in the Spirit, we sh- we, let us also walk in the Spirit. God wants us to be holy. God wants His people to be holy. He wants His people to be like Him because He's indwelling us and everything that He sees on the outside He wants to be adorned like what He is. I made that statement that there shall be no flesh that will stand in the presence or revel in the presence of God. There's no God is not pleased with flesh. You say, why should we cover our bodies up? Because He's not pleased with flesh. Wear your slits up to your yin-yang if you want to, but it's still, the more flesh you're exposed, the less possibility you have of getting into the presence of God. So you have to walk certain ways. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16 say, Well, Brother Reshing, why do I have to be holy? Anybody got that scripture for me? Because it is written. Why do I have to do it? Because it's written. You don't have a say in it. He's not going to change it because you've got a crooked nose or boogers in it. He's not going to change you because you're married to a hunk or your wife is a beautiful doll. He's not even going to change you if you're married to the ugliest thing in the world and everybody feels sorry for you. God, He said, I am God and I change not. Absolutely unchangeable. Because it is written, Be ye holy, why? For I am holy. There's some things you need to remember about your flesh. Number one, the flesh does not want to be different from others. It wants to be like everybody else. Number two, the flesh wants to be satisfied and the flesh wants to be fed. And number three, the flesh does not want to be set apart from others. Listen to me. Make a note of this. Feed the flesh and you'll starve the spiritual man. Feed the spiritual man and you'll starve the flesh. You can't do one and the same. You can't do them both. It's either one or the other. Holiness means this, to be withdrawn from what is common or unclean and consecrated to what is sacred and pure and set apart. This means to withdraw from anything that is common or unclean and to be consecrated to something that is pure and sacred. God is perfect, but we are imperfect. God is divine and we are human. God is morally perfect and man is sinful. There are some things that we need to do. Number one, we need to repent. That means to turn around. 
to turn from the world and to turn from sin. We need to surrender. That means give up yourself. You can't surrender for me. You can only raise your hands and say, I give. I give up. You cannot do it for me. You must dedicate. You must separate. And you must consecrate. Holiness demands a practical walk of simple obedience to the will of God. Where do you know the will of God? It's right here. You're not going to find the will of God outside the Word of God. He said, well, Brother Rushing, I was praying and the Holy Ghost told me, does it line up with the Word of God? Because he says he's exalted this above his name. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It is the most important name ever, and this has been elevated above this because this certifies the name. His name cannot be any better than what his word is. And so here we are. You say, well, let me tell you something. You ever been impressed to do something stupid like drive your car into a telephone pole? Yeah, I, there, you'd be so, now that, that's a way far out one, but there's some others of you been impressed to do things just as stupid. You know, like, why don't you just give up? Why don't you just quit church? You're not getting anything out of it right now anyway. That's just as dumb as driving your car into a telephone pole. I remember a fellow, I, I deal with suicidal candidates very funny. I've had several of them in my office. So far, none of them have committed suicide because I've offered to assist them. Number one, if a person's going to commit suicide, they're not going to go around telling everybody they're going to do it. All they're wanting is some kudo points and some pats on the back. And I remember I've had guns slid across the desk at me, and I had one in my desk for a long time. I took the shells out of it, but I've had a lot of fun with that gun. I remember somebody coming in my office one day and saying, I'm going to commit suicide. You, you are? Yeah. I, I just can't make it anymore. I said, are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Well, uh, Yes, but I just can't take it anymore. I said, you're not filled with what I'm full of. I said, but if you're going to do it, I said, okay. And I opened the drawer and I pulled that gun out and I set it up on my desk. Now, this was before they built the storage units next door. And I said, uh, why don't you just go ahead and take this thing out and blow your brains out and get it over with. You are a mess. But please, do me a favor. Don't do it at the church. We don't have to clean up the mess. There's a field next door. You could probably go over there. There's weeds. Get out in the weeds and we won't find your body for days. By the time we find you, the flies will have blown it. Ugh. Well, what are you... Well, why is that repugnant to you? You're fixing to take your life. You're not going to... You know, all of this business of we want to have a humane way of executing murderers. So what? They don't remember it afterwards. You know, I'm kind of cut and dried in my approach to things. I... Why worry about what? I don't care if it's humane or not. They're dead. So they gagged for five minutes. So smoke curled out of the top of their head. They let me be the executioner. I wouldn't tighten those shackles up. They'd dance for a while. Hey, man, you see him? He stood up on that electric chair. We're like this. I'm not very sensitive when it comes to stuff like that. And when people come to me and say, well, I'm leaving God, you get no sympathy out of me. You're not leaving God, you left Him. You're just, this is just, the, you're just letting us know. And so, I remember one time, a guy says, 
I'm just going to end it all. I said, don't do it at the church. The women won't like cleaning up the blood. He never did it. None of these guys have ever done it. Now, I'm not saying that uh, there's people I've dealt with that I understood them a little differently and we got them professional help quick. And if I ever make a mistake, I'll let you help me clean up the mess. Listen to me. God demands a practical walk of obedience to His will. It is the will of God. Well, oh, you, my, my uncle is a, <clears throat> a retired Assembly of God preacher, but when I was a young convert, we had some pretty interesting discussions. Not my uncle, but his wife, who was backslidden oneness, married to an Assembly of God preacher, and uh, we never said a word. <clears throat> when we got in their presence, we never said a word. We just kind of always let it unfold. And it wasn't long before my aunt would always say, well, you know. And she'd be, she'd be wearing pants. She said, you know, I, I should get me some dresses. And I'd shake. I'd just nod my head. I remember one morning I went to their church. They knew I was coming, so they had their Bible teacher lay for me. He was going to teach me the Trinity. Anybody that can teach me the Trinity, you have a pupil that will sit and listen in rapt attention. I've read everything I could find on the Trinity. I have debated the Trinitarian's side of the Trinity. Uh, I have, I, I've wanted to understand it, but it's like they said, it's incomprehensible. And uh, I've read Ironside's books. I've read McGee's books. I've read um, Armstrong's books. I, I have studied the Trinity. <clears throat> the problem is, when you have a revelation of the oneness of God, every time they read the Scripture, you understand the Scripture so you don't see it the way they see it. So I'm sitting out there in that congregation. I mean, I had a time in my life that Sunday morning. That old silver-haired, old-time preacher teaching, teaching, and my wife and I are sitting, and I'm, I moved up on the edge of my seat because, man, I knew this is my morning. He, he's after me. I'm oneness, and I'm in, the, I'm in the camp of the enemy. And I'm sitting there, and he started teaching. I didn't say amen. I didn't say boogaboo. I didn't say nothing. I just nod my head every once in a while because I'd watch him watching me. And man, I was the best student he had. I'm going to learn something today. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I've always wanted to be taught the Trinity. And he'd read a scripture and I'd go. And then he'd take a scripture and teach it wrong and go. And I, I've given him little facial things, you know. Like, like, oh, kind of like you guys do me. I get to walking down your road and go, Who told you? Well, God still works. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, he was really getting into it. Ten minutes into his lesson, he was starting to get confused. He taught 15 minutes and closed the book and said, Well, I'm through. They had another 45 minutes. I want them to let me teach 15 now. <laughs> But you know, when you come into the truth, you, it's just practical. It's, it's just practical. I mean, dear Lord, it says there's one God. Is that hard? One God. And there's something he said. He says, I am God and there's only, this is all I know, there's only me. <laughs> I've never heard of anybody else and I'm God. You say, well, I have. Well, you're smarter than God. 
You see, we, we approach these things like we have it all down pat. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says, Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? How do you get transformed? Come on, you guys are helping me. By the renewing of your mind. Why? That you may prove some things. What are we trying to prove? What is that good and acceptable and what? Perfect will. Be ye renewed. Have your mind transformed. So you can prove some things. What, are, what is it that we, as the people of God, must prove? What is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect in the will of God? It is our job to prove those things. We're not out testing them. We're showing the world they work. Well... Thank you. I need a few of those. I've been feeling pretty slack here lately. You know, my mind has been blown. I can't think. I can't keep my thoughts together. So let's go on back to television. There are some simple rules to live a holy life. Number one, receive the Holy Ghost. You can't live a holy life without it. If you're here today and you didn't talk in tongues, your holiness is as filthy rags. And your righteousness is self-righteousness. That's the Word of God, and I don't have time to pursue that today. Number two, pray much. This church is an anemic church. You're riding on good preaching. Now, I know I'm a good preacher. And I bring good preachers in here. And that's how you guys are getting by. Because you're a prayerless group. The reason I know you're prayerless is because you're meat-headed. You're carnally minded. You do not set the timber. I've had preachers come and say, boy, there's a good spirit in your church. It's because there's good preaching here. There's not a good spirit in this church because everybody's praying because everybody's not praying. You can't even take a pat on the back. Oh, we got a good spirit because of me. Nope. If you're a praying person, you're a good person. If you're not a praying person, you're a hypocrite. With a capital H and a capital E and everything in between capitalized. You must pray much. Why? Because a prayer life will be a holy life. You need to read the Bible. Oh, I can't. I've got to listen to my tapes. Do you know I've got almost 1,500 story tapes? And I'm certainly not going to listen to more story tapes than I am the things of God. When I'm driving down the road, I listen to story tapes. When I'm at church and I'm living for God or I'm in my office, I'm doing the things of God. You need to read the Bible and you need to attend church services. And I'm going to tell you something you better not miss. You, you need to not miss Bible study. I'd rather you miss Sunday night than Bible study. I don't want you to miss any of them. 
Some of you are in school, and I understand that. Some of you are going to, uh, you've got jobs, and I understand that. But I'm going to tell you what, you can pray, and you can seek God, and God will make a way for you to be in church. Hello? You pray, and you seek God, and you get a hold of God. This business of, well, I just don't feel. There's people here today, or not here today, just because they got up this morning and said, well, I just don't feel like going. You know what you're telling me? God is not a priority in my life. When I have time for God, I'll go. I'm here today because of God, not because of you. I was here before most of you were here. And I didn't come here because you were here. Most of you have been dug out since then. Because there were a few of us that stayed. And not only that, to add a little sidelight to that, they were a working group. They're not as lazy as this group we've got today. There was a loyalty to their church. They sold peanut brittle. They didn't throw it in the trash. They made peanut brittle. They cleaned their church. And they didn't look for somebody else to do it for them. They took it on them as, as a ministry and realized the blessings of God will fall because of this. I'm on television. God's revealed will begins in His Word. You obey the Word of God without hesitation. You dedicate yourself fully to His service and to His will. There are, well, just remember this, in about two or three weeks we're going to be in the dark in this church. If you notice the bulbs keep going out up top. Brother Rushing, why don't you climb up there and change them? I'm not doing it. It's not my job. God told me to get you guys to wait on tables. I can climb up there and change it probably as good as any man in this church. Well, I don't have any light bulbs. Well, we do have light bulbs, but have you ever thought, I'll just go buy them and give them as an offering to the church? The church has to buy everything for you, doesn't it? It has to do everything for you, doesn't it? Well, I'd like to do this, but will the church reimburse me? Don't do it. I wish I could get reimbursed for every penny I put in to keep the blessings of God too. But I can't. So I'm just going to keep the blessings and you can keep the reimbursements. I'm just letting you know. I, I just, I'm on television. <clears throat> Remember, you need to claim the victory one day at a time. You can't have victory for tomorrow when you're not making it through today. <laughs> and if you're going to be a casualty today, you're just a body tomorrow. You must understand, and I want, we're going to get into it now, that television is not just a means of information, and it is not just a means of recreation, but it has a definite spirit to it. We're having time with this today, aren't we? That's all right. Is this the one I got from Etheridge? I'll make him take it back. Is it the battery? 
just cut my wings. I have to stay right here now. No, no, I don't. The spirit that is connected with this instrument is out to destroy anything godly. It is used to fill our minds with things that will fight against and become a struggle with the spiritual man. There is absolutely nothing. Understand this. You're talking to a preacher that doesn't believe one television evangelist is saved. I believe that every one of them are used of the devil to confuse mankind. So even that's not good. Oral Roberts is going to hell. Billy Graham is going to hell. They don't believe in one God. They don't believe in Jesus' name baptism. They don't believe in the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. So to me, I'd rather you have you watching X-rated pornographic movies than listening to those demons out of hell spout false religion. I don't want you watching any of it, but let's talk about a very brief history of television. 1927 is when the day when the first image was ever transmitted. It was a picture of a dollar bill. Isn't it amazing that it was, was could that be prophetic? That it was a dollar bill. This thing was, would do anything to make money. And that's what television is. It'll do anything to make money. Its official beginning was in 1939. NBC televised President Roosevelt's opening of the World's Fair in New York. World War II came along and it slowed down television's growth. But in 1945, they manufactured 100 sets. From 1945 to 1948 was what... Uh, your historians will tell you was the, the real start of television. Isn't it amazing? It was 1947 and 1948 that television kicked off. From 1947 to 1952, the cities of New York and Los Angeles each had seven stations. Now, I remember these. There was a time when you could watch seven stations, and at midnight, they all were off the air. Austin, Texas, Little Rock, Arkansas, and Portland, Oregon in those years had no television. They couldn't receive. The two early programs on television were Howdy Doody, started in 1947, and The Ed Sullivan Show started in 1948. 1947 and 1948 was the year that television got its real start. In November 1947, the UN General Assembly accepted a plan for the of Palestine creating the Jewish state of Israel. The state of Israel was established in 1948. It is interesting that television became commercial in 1947 and 1948 at the same time that one of the greatest prophecies in the Word of God was being fulfilled concerning the coming of Jesus Christ. It is my view that this was a military and a strategic movement of hell and Satan to get people's minds off of the soon return of Jesus Christ and to fill people's minds with worldliness and filth and deceit, my, i got to hurry, and covetousness. In 1948, a group known as the World Council of Churches started. Three major spiritual happenings. 
Today, more than 98% of all homes in America are equipped with a television. The questions that we need to ask ourselves today, number one, is the television set right or wrong? Number two, will having a television set help me more spiritually? Number three, will having a television set in my home help my family to be more spiritual? Number four, will the good on the television set outweigh the bad that is seen daily? And I'll get into comparisons of good and bad later. Number five, how much sin, filth, cursing, adultery, murder, hate, violence, and divorce can your mind absorb without affecting your relationship with God? Number six, when my life is over, will it matter that I did not have a television? Number seven, do I really have free time to watch television? Let's talk about good and evil. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. It was a tree that had both good and evil on it. Everything about the tree was not evil. There was some good. In fact, there was probably as much good as there was evil. But it would be an error for me to say that everything on television is evil. Let's take a good, honest look at good against evil on television. Here's the good. And I'll be very honest with you. I have a hard time with it even being good. News current events, entertainment, education. It's a babysitter. Religious programs. Can anybody else think of any other things that might be good? Help me. Nature programs. Okay, nature programs. Which could come under, maybe under the education, I don't know. Travel films. Okay. Anybody else got any that they could probably help us out with today? Let's talk about the bad. Murder. It is a time consumer. Tobacco. Abortions. Sex. Jailbreaks. Lawlessness. Unnecessary temptations. Fighting. Eye strain. Rape. Arson, alcohol, swearing, perversion, violence, rebellion, adultery, thieves, divorce, homosexuality, drugs, make-believe worlds, witchcraft, kidnapping, immorality, gang rule, gambling, radiation, dancing. And I could probably say, did I miss any? And everybody put their hands up. Because there is so much more that could go in that list. Jokes with sensual and sexual undertones. Shows and jokes that make your good leaders, ministers, law officers, educators look like idiots and fools. Psalms 101 and verse 3 says this, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. All right. Let's, let's, let's clarify something here. How many of you believe 
that there is evil on television. Okay? Put your hands down. How many of you believe that there is a, an, an exorbitant amount of evil on television? Okay, there's fewer hands, but that's all right. If TV, and I'll get to statistics later, I'm going to show you how many murders and how many rapes in, 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 in a given time there is. Now, you've got to understand, I am a very biased preacher. There is absolutely no negotiating with me in some of these areas. I do not believe that anybody that preaches anything other than the oneness of God with the infilling of the Holy Ghost and baptism in Jesus' name, I don't believe they're saved. I believe they're an instrument of the devil. I don't believe that any man that believes anything would even go preach on television because it is such a medium of distortion. Our own leaders, Brother Ershon, debated... Um, do you remember the name of the, the, this debate they did? It was televised. They, they put the video out. Him and Brother Sabin went out and debated. And I mean, I want you to know, they cleaned that guy's clock. But one of the things they didn't do in a debate is you always have a second set of cameras and a second set of tapes running. Because when they got through editing, they made Brother Ershon and Brother Sabin look like dolts and fools. And they have passed these tapes throughout all of the, um, what are we called, evangelical ranks. Brother McDonald in Eureka lost a bunch of people because these tapes got into his church. You see, I don't even like video because all you're receiving is a distorted view of what somebody wanted to tape and they cut out the meat and they add others and they keep cutting and, and all you hear is what they want you to hear. They spend more room editing and cutting these tapes than they did initially filming them. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hurt the work, I, I hate the work of them that turn aside. Anything that turns you aside from being godly, the Bible says you hate it. Matthew chapter 6 verses 22 and 23 says this, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Alright, what that's saying, what you look at determines whether there's light or darkness in your body. And if your eye be single or it is godly, that's what it's talking about, then your whole being is full of light, understanding and knowledge. Verse 23 says, But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. And then it goes on and makes a very provocative statement. There are people that proclaim this to be light. It says, If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness. It's talking about the knowledge. How great is that darkness? The question is, if you're ignorant, how ignorant are you? If a person is stupid, how stupid are they? If you're ugly, how ugly are you? If your knowledge and your understanding that you have in your soul is darkness, and you perceive it as light, it says, how great is that darkness? 
Now, I'll give you a comparison. The greater the light of truth is, the darker the darkness becomes in you when you don't have it. First John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Television shows all the things of the world and absolutely nothing of God. Television shows nothing of God, nothing of His church, nothing of His truth. They can't even make up their mind what Bible to read. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Please note this. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is what television works on. It was the lust of the eyes that got Eve into trouble in Genesis. And when she saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes. Let's change this into modern terminology. I'll read Genesis chapter 3. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. May I be allowed now to put this in modern terms for you? And when she or he saw that television was good for the flesh, it satisfied the appetite of the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, he or she was captivated by what was seen on the television. Everything you could ever want to see or know, sports, murder, lust, adventure, fun, travel, space, mystery, sex, beauty, crime, styles, culture, society, war, news, etc. And knowing that the television would make one wise, not in education, but wise in the things of the world. What to buy, what is popular, what everyone else in the world is thinking and doing. They bought one and gave it to their family and they did partake. Isaiah chapter 33, verses 14 and 15 says, The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness hath surprised the hypocrites. Who among them shall dwell with the devouring fire? Man, I preached that when I was evangelizing a lot. Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? He that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly, he that despiseth the gain of oppressions, that shaketh, the hands of, uh, that shaketh his hands from holding bribes, that stoppeth his ears from hearing of blood, and shutteth his eyes from seeing evil. I will not look on anything evil. Psalms chapter 119 and verse 37 says, Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 51 says, Mine eye affecteth mine heart. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 26 says, My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. Mark chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, for from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Satan is always and has always used the eye appeal approach to subdue people to sin. When Eve saw, and it was good to the eyes, 
Second Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 2. And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem, and it came to pass in the evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the wolf he saw, from the roof, he was a wolf on the roof, from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. She was taking a bath. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. The eye appeal. Why is it that pornography is over $10 billion a year or even more than that now in America? It is the eye appeal. You know what? When you've seen one harlot, you've seen all of them. You know that the devil doesn't deal with ugly when he's tempting, tempting God's people. They don't let ugly, fat people model. It's, it's the eye appealing. It's that that is appealing to the eye. Joshua says this. In, you, in the book of Joshua, it was talking about uh, Achan. And the problem with Achan, he said, When I saw among the spoils, then I coveted. Up until I saw it, I was all right. But when I saw it, I coveted. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 26, 26 says, Neither shalt thou bring an abomination into thine house. You don't bring anything that is an abomination into your house, lest thou be a cursed thing like it. But thou shalt utterly detest it, and thou shalt utterly abhor it, for it is a cursed thing. Anything that is cursed is not to be brought into your house. Jesus was tempted by the eye. You guys would be glad. I'm just getting on page 9 and I've got 44 pages. Again, the devil taketh him up to an exceeding high mountain and showeth him, Look, what I have for you. I will give you all of this. Just remember that evil attractions lead to more than just seeing. They are intended to create and arouse in you a desire to partake. You cannot watch a movie without transposing yourself into the movie and becoming a part of it. In your mind, you're the heroine or you're the hero. I'm telling you, you can't watch one without becoming a part of it. When they have those sensual th things on the screen, you're right there with them, partaking. That's why reading books with all this garbage in it, same thing. You transpose yourself into that reading material. It's just an automatic thing of the flesh. And so, one of the things that you need to understand, and this is the breakdown, 82% of everything that comes over the television set is conducive to crime, sex, immorality, drinking, 
smoking, and the such like. Only about 18% is given and divided among education, science, religion, news, and if you want to put the travel logs and the nature logs, that all comes under that 18%. And I'm not going to get into it. We may have a lesson on the news. But let me tell you, what you see on the news is not really what's happening. I was in the Philippines one year after Mr. Aquino was assassinated. I was in Manila down in the park where they were having their rally. Yellow confetti all over the place. and yeah, it, was, it was very awesome to me. And I was down there, and they said, you, you better not be down here because you might get hurt. And, and we went down, traveled through the daytime. The missionaries took us down there, and uh, we, were, we were living not very far from the place with a mass rally. 250 or 300,000 of those Filipino people were gathering to uh, celebrate the, the death or to mourn the death or whatever the memorial service for Mr. Aquino had been assassinated at the airport. I came home, and one of the, most, one of the things I wanted to see the most was I wanted to see how the news presented Mr. Aquino's first year anniversary of his death. And I, I grabbed the papers. I took old papers, and it said, rioting in the streets, murders, death. Do you want to know something? I saw not one riot. I was there. I saw not one death. There may have been some. There was too many people. But it wasn't that. Well, you would have thought they were burning the city down reading our news. And it didn't happen. During the Vietnam War, I can't remember, I may have it written in my notes later on, there was a, an offensive that was started, supposed to have been started. The news promoted this thing and pushed this thing because the, the White House and the President needed it. Do you know it was nothing but a media hoax that never happened? The offensive never got under the way. There was no casualty, the, the event, it was a non-event. It was televised for home. Under Nixon's regime, they were talking about a little black box. They wanted to hook up the little black box in the White House. And they wanted to make it mandatory that every television set in America have a like box. That way they could turn on and turn off your television set at will. It was a little premature, but do you know they're manufacturing televisions today with the capability in them of doing that? Now, what would you do if you had sat there and you had been nursed and raised on the television set to believe everything that it says? Take it as true. And all of a sudden, the television set comes on and there stands Mr. Clinton. And he's got his hair done just right and he's got his smile on and he's as slick as ever. And he just says, while you were sleeping, America, we had an uprising. We have declared martial law. It'll only be about 24 hours. We don't want you to be disturbed. And here your television sets on, and you're listening to your president tell you about there were some journalists and certain religious leaders and different ones that we had to round up. But it's under control. Go back to sleep. Further news will be in the morning. You know what most of America would do? They'd turn over and go back to bed and say, I'm safe. I'm safe. Oh, but Brother Russia, I just watch football. No, you don't. You're a liar. 
football is your avenue. You, you'll watch other things. Oh, I just watch baseball. No, you're a liar too. Well, I just have it for the news. Why do you want them to bring lies into your house? I'm telling you, nobody can be a member of this church and own a television set. And I'm going to tell you something else. Don't you go buy VCRs and take them home. You can't have them either. You want to know why? Because you couldn't handle the football games. And it won't be long. You'll be, oh, Anne of Seven Gables, what's wrong with that? Anne of the Arbor, what's wrong with that? Well, before long, you'll see Anne in bed. You parents, you listen to me. You don't get control of this now. Don't you bring your teenagers to me later and say, I can't control them because I don't care. I have warned parents through the years, and they, there's been those that have rejected my warnings, and they've lost their kids because their kids think it's glamorous. That's wonderful. It's all out there. I want, you're never going to be what they portrayed there. It is impossible. You want a real, live, awakening, go-tour universal cities. There's nothing real in the whole place. The whole Tarzan movie was filmed in seven eucalyptus trees. I watched the Ten Commandments when I was a kid in the parting of the Red Sea. It was a little pool. They, that, they had walls in and it, the water dropped out of it. I drove through it. I walked right off through the Red Sea. Star Wars and all the war movies you see are nothing but little models moving on sheets of paper or plywood. Earthquakes. And they showed us how they made it. They painted the pictures and the scenes all around and they got a little old tiny square in there with a person running in the square and it looks like the whole scene is moving but it's nothing but a painting with one moving piece in it. it's all right to be a homo. And your kid gets up and comes to church and we're talking about, oh God, we love you. Praise the Lord. You can't live this way. We get them for one hour on Sunday morning and you park them for four and a half to six hours a day every day, day in and day out. They spend between 15 and 20,000 hours in front of a television set by the time they're 18 and they only put in 12,000 hours in school. And you're giving them to Ted Turner, the husband of Hanoi Jane. They hate America. 
They hate what it stands for. And Ted Turner says, my television programs is my cathedral. It's the pulpit that I preach my gospel from. And you got Sanford and Son. in it, they can't even sell the films anymore. And you say, should the church make a stand? You bet your bippy. Call me narrow-minded. Call me ignorant if you want. I've never seen God pull one intelligent person out of the Bible and make anything out of him. He's always used us nuts. Always used us people that didn't have a whole lot on the ball. One of them wasn't so smart, he came out of the, the desert with locust wings and camel hair. He didn't go to the Sanhedrin, he went down and took an old corrupt tax collector. Three foul-mouthed fishermen. So you just do whatever you want to do, but don't do it around me. Let's just live for God. Let's stand. I got a